we went out to the lake. Uh, we're running around the lake. It's beautiful. Having a great time. Um, we're about two thirds of the way through and I hear gunshots and this guy comes running around the corner and he's dressed in, you know, the gangbanger uniform basically. And he's, he's running toward us. You know, if you guys have been listening to the show for a while, you've heard more than one episode where OC spray got someone out of a bind and prevented them from having to use more force in a personal self-defense encounter. Palm Industries is the OC of choice for active self-protection. We love everything about them. We love the efficacy of their product. We've seen it work. Our actual employees have had to use it in the field against a crazy person, and it worked. They've removed any excuse not to carry OC. This is going to solve far more problems more frequently than a firearm, and I wouldn't leave the house without it. Get one at get-asp.com slash P-O-M, POM. Get-asp.com slash POM. Alrighty, gang, welcome back to the Active Self-Protection Podcast. I am once again your host, Mike Williver, and I am your favorite former Fed with us today, Joshua Bennett. Joshua is out of Bellingham, Washington. He is married uh, with no kids, and he is a data scientist. Joshua, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, another email sent in, this time recommended by someone. But um, again, uh, if you guys don't write in with these stories or, ref- or referring people, there's no show. So thank you so much for doing that. I mentioned at the top, Josh, that you are a data scientist, and I know what data is, and I know generally what scientists are. What is data science, and what does a data scientist do exactly? Um, I, I like to think of myself as kind of a gold miner of sorts. Um, I take all of the raw data um it's it can be numbers it can be text it can be all kinds of different things and um i sort it and organize it do math and and um try to inform the uh company's strategic and tactical objectives based on what i'm seeing in the data right that's pretty straightforward actually that makes sense although not a big math guy math is hard for me so (laughs) I, i avoid it wherever possible so um you were referred over by someone who's a mutual friend of, of John, and uh, you have a story to tell that I think is very, very interesting. Uh, and you actually are uh, starting a podcast coming up. Tell us about that. But where can people find it? And is it out yet? Or when might it be out? Um, it's not out yet. Uh, it's called A Duty to Act. Um, my my wife, who we'll uh, chat about during uh, in our conversation here, um, she's been a paramedic for 35 years. Oh, wow. And I am... Um, very familiar with, uh, I, I would like, I'd like to say that I'm adjacent to EMS and sure. fire and things and, and EMS to law enforcement. Um, and that's because, uh, I, I kind of touch on that. I dip my toes in the water because, because of her influence. Um, and so some of the things that we're trying to work on is the, um, retention recruitment and, uh, life as, as, um, a paramedic and life as a firefighter, life as a law enforcement officer. And how can we, um, uh, make life, uh, better and, um, and that can come in in a lot of different forms. And right now it's just about like having conversations about things like, um, uh, how do we get the help that we need or, or even reduce the stigma for things like PTSD? Hmm. Um, how can we, uh, um, uh, maybe address some of the the issues around uh, hazing and when does when does training become teasing when does teasing become hazing right mm-hmm. what's this there's that spectrum and that kind of thing just general discussions and a lot of a lot of uh war stories and such you know that, that kind of thing too so. all right very good so look look for, what's the title of it again 
um, a duty, a to, duty act. to act. Okay, so look forward to that coming up, folks. Check it out. Um, before we talk about the incident at hand, you're um, when what happened happened, you had already sort of had a had a mindset of uh, sort of self defense, and and you you knew more than the average bear probably about how to respond to a, a potential medical problem. So, how did you get to that point in your life? So pre incident. Um, were you a martial artist? Did you, uh, train with firearms? That sort of thing. Yeah. So <clears throat> I've been teaching Muay Thai for about 10 years now and training for about 15. Um, and I do competitive shooting, uh, practical rifle, USPCA, con uh, concealed carry. Um, sometimes we do these like brutality matches and stuff and that kind of thing. So, um, and I've taken a lot of one-on-one -on -one classes with uh, this uh, local special ops guy uh, that I, I take classes with at the at one of the local ranges. Um, and then as a teenager, I was a part of search and rescue and had some very small amount of uh, medical training as a result of that, which really just amounts to like CPR, right? Right. But that was out of, out of date and things. And then I tag along with my wife to the EMT courses that she teaches. Because in addition to being an active paramedic, she also teaches uh, at the local community college. She teaches the EMT courses and she also teaches the uh, uh, train the trainer courses and the recertification courses for paramedics around, around the state here in Western Washington. And I will tag along and I will pretend to be a overdosed heroin addict and, and that kind of thing and, and apply some jujitsu as they, as they give me, you know, in, in, in air quotes, so Narcan. Narcan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that right, and uh, and I'll um, you know, one time one time I do um in in very much the same style of like Dwight on the office uh, delivered a baby because we didn't we didn't have anyone so I was the I was the person there who was just you know, pretended to be a pregnant lady. Oh, I got you. I thought you meant for real. I'm like, wow, it's, that's impressive. Yeah. So we uh, so we just you know having a um having a good time doing that but through through that i guess um it'd be sort of like edu uh, ems education by proxy i suppose is one way of thinking about it yeah I, I think a lot of folks don't realize how much training i know people that have gone through uh cops that have gone through emt school and it is no joke there was a lot yeah. of information and it's pun intended it's like drinking from a fire hose um could yeah. you could you inform our audience a little bit? I know you're not a paramedic or, or or an EMT, but could you give them just an idea of how much training goes into becoming certified as a paramedic most places in the United States? Well, um, so here in the state of Washington, it's um, what is it like 180 hours in order to get your EMT certificate, and if you want like an advanced, it's an, an additional like 80 or 100 hours on top right. of that. So it, it works out to like one full quarter at school. But if you want to be a paramedic, on the other hand, then it's like 1,500 hours yeah. plus this and that and the other. And it's like the, the list is pretty, pretty long. So yeah. yeah, it's a big deal. So to accomplish that is, uh, mm -hmm. is also a big deal. So I know a little bit about your incident. Um, as you may or may not know, the audience certainly knows I like to learn uh, about the incident in, in detail as I talk to you rather than reading a long mm -hmm. email or us having a pre-interview. That way I can sort of react to it at the same time the audience is reacting to it. Well, this is pre-recorded, but they're going to you get the idea. Um, yep. Eventually they're going to react to it. So walk us through what you were doing, who you were with, and kind of where you were, what was happening, and what led up to the incident uh, you're going to discuss with us. Yeah, so um, it was a beautiful spring day. And around here in the Pacific Northwest, we, when it's a beautiful day like that, we take advantage of it. We go outside because it's so often not. And, um, 
we were going to, we headed off to a local lake, which has a 2.6 mile loop that goes around the lake. And, and this is, this is a common running trail for, for folks. And I, I knew that this was going to be one of those days where you go to the lake, it's going to be hard to find parking. It's going to be super packed. There's going to be a flotilla of people on tubes and they're going to be drinking beer. There's going to be barbecues. There's going to be kids. There's going to be fishermen. Sounds and, terrible, by the way. Yeah, right. It, <laughs> um, and it was, it, it, it exactly was, it was exactly that sure. when I showed up. And, and on the way there, I was, I was thinking, you know, as I'm getting prepared, like, well, should I carry? Should I not? Should I have my first aid kit? Should I not? And I thought, you know, it's such a gorgeous day. Ugh. Meh, I'm not going to carry this time. Can I can I ask for a spoiler? Do you still ever think that before you walk out the door ever? Negative. Good man. All right, moving on. Sorry about that. Yeah, and uh, so and and also we we live in an area where the crime rate is pretty low. Just just to, just to say it. So, um, so the the likelihood of me running into a into the situation here is extraordinary. Sure. And um, so we went out to the lake. Uh, we're running around the lake. It's beautiful having a great time. Um, we're about two thirds of the way through and I hear gunshots and, and my wife has always said, okay, whenever you hear gunshots, note the time and it, it, it'll come in handy for law enforcement later. Let me ask and, you this. How, how could you be sure they were gunshots and not something else? Cause I think a lot of people will wonder how do you know it wasn't fireworks or whatever? Well, actually, so it's, it's funny because that's one of the things because it was getting relatively close to 4th of July or that kind of thing. And so so she said, could it have been fireworks? And I said, no, there's no way that's fireworks because of the rhythm of the thing. It mm -hmm. went pop, 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 pop. And like that's yeah. that that's the sh that's a shooter's rhythm. Right. Right. And um, and I thought, OK, well, maybe it's somebody who was out in the county and, w and I was hearing the report coming over the hill and it was echoing around or something like maybe it's just some yahoo shooting cans right like, cool so i noted the time 1855 noted it out loud to my wife and we kept running and um and she's and we said well there's no screaming it's such a busy day here there's it's maybe i'm wrong there's no screaming. There's no car squealing. There's no tires. There's no, there's nothing going on. Right. Like there's no commotion. And then we get up maybe 20 yards ahead or so. And this guy comes running around the corner and he's dressed in, you know, the gangbanger uniform basically. So like and long, long short pants or spants as I call them with socks pulled up, that sort of thing. That's exactly what it is. I mean, okay. I, yeah. We all know exactly what you're talking about. We know exactly. We know the uniform, mm -hmm. right? And and he's he's running in uh, toward us, past like to to pass us. He's running toward us. And I and I said to my wife, "This is interesting because this guy he is running and he is not a runner. There's loads of runners here, and he's not a, he's not a runner. That struck me as funny. Sorry, he's not a runner. Definitely not this guy. Right." And especially wearing those, like, you know, they wear, they wear their pristine sneakers, mm -hmm. right? And this is a dirt trail, right? He's running in those sneakers on a dirt trail. And I'm like, mm, things are not adding up. Two not plus training, two is, not training for Iron Man. This guy's not no, no, no. good. Yeah. No, two plus two equals five at mm -hmm. this point. And, um, it's like, okay, so uh, we, but still we didn't hear anything. So we get up a, a little further up the way and at the top of the hill, someone starts yelling, He's been shot. He's been shot. Help, help, help. So we sprint up the hill. Um, 
and we come across uh, a person who looks, uh, you know, wearing a very similar uniform, in fact. And my my wife does a quick assessment, um, notes the the entry wound, covers the entry wound, um, and I start going through the checklist of of things that I've learned in her class. Mm-hmm. Step one: scene safety. Uh, step two: you know, sort out the patient best you can. Step three: get on the horn and start calling, you know, and, and call for law enforcement, and call for aid. Um, so she's doing her patient assessment which, you know, she's done 10,000 times. Um, and I'm focused on barking orders at every, every looky-loo that's around and just taking charge of the scene. And Be and less useless is what you're thinking in your mind. Be less that, useless, please. That is exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what it is. And while I've, I've never been in the military, but I have uh, in my classes and, and other places, I've been um, uh, mistaken for a retired drill instructor. Oh, very good. So I just started barking and people got out of the way. People started, you know, leaving. They're on, you're there on with the 911 and they're starting to, to, you know, direct, uh, uh, tell, tell them where they are. That's, that's one of the lessons that I didn't write in the email. Always know where you are. That's an additional lesson to this. That's a big one. When we were on with 911, they said, "Oh, are you at the east entrance or the west entrance?" I'm like, "I, I don't know which which one is the which one is the east entrance. Right. I don't know." And um, so, always know where you are. It's one of I, I wrote down a dozen lessons that I took away from this incident. That's one of them. Um. So we uh, so my wife's covering uh, covering the wound. We're on the horn with nine one one. She's telling them she's relaying the information from a paramedic's perspective Mm -hmm. and she's cool as a cucumber here. And, um, and she says, okay, uh, it's time for you to start compressions. And this guy is, he's laying out, you know, gasping like a fish out of, out of water, um, uh, blood coming out of his mouth. It's not as much blood as I would have expected, but there is certainly, certainly blood there. Um, and I just, I, you know, started compressions and, uh, he died while we were doing compressions on him. Uh, law enforcement showed up. Uh, they came in. I asked for relief. Uh, one of the officers, they had, uh, you know, had their gloves on, came around and I said, okay, you know, th- three, two, three, two, one, boom. I jumped off. They jumped on. Uh, the officer said, oh, I have, I have uh, hemostatic uh, gauze in my pockets. So I start rooting around through the officer's pockets trying to find hemostatic gauze. But they, one of the other officers ended up getting a chest seal onto the, uh, onto the wound. And then, um, and they, they, started to, they started to tell my wife, um, you know, okay, we got it from here. And she didn't move. She looked at him and she just very sternly said, no. I'm a really good paramedic. Okay. I like it. <laughs> and you're just going to have to trust me here. Mm-hmm. And the officers de- they they deferred to her expertise at that point. And it's like, great. And and she guided them guided them through next steps. Um but the uh, the the patient was already gone uh, at that point. Um and then she tells me okay, uh she calls me JD and she said she said uh JD I need you to take three big steps back, right? now and and it was it was like that calm and i took three big steps back so i'm you know following orders mm-hmm. and like a swarm of bees you know here comes all of the other medics just everybody's swarming around swarming around the patient like what can they do um 
I got one of one of the other officers. We, you know, uh, talked to him, gave a statement. Uh, and then, you know, it was very, very clear that, uh, he was not going to make it, that he was, he was gone already. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of, one of the lessons that I wrote to in the email. It's like, uh, even if I was carrying my kit, there's, there's like, what am I, I can't, you can't put a tourniquet around, around this particular wound. Right. Um, this particular wound was in the neck. Like, you're not going to put a tourniquet around that. No, well, you can. Um, you can do anything well, you want. Doesn't make it a good idea. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, uh, hemostatic bandage m- m- wouldn't have done any good. A chest seal was sort of the only option. And I, I don't routinely carry chest seals that I do now. Um, you know, I have them in my IFAC, but I don't routinely care. I hadn't routinely carried them in my regular old, uh, kit. Mm-hmm. And, um, so the, uh, we, we gave our statements, um, officers showed up like it felt like forever it it really did and we'll, and we'll get we'll get back to that in just a minute but mm-hmm. it felt like forever they showed up ready to rock and roll um you know rifles out uh there was a bear cat i mean they had all the things and um so my wife and i they we were we were relieved uh we continued our run took a dip in the dip in the lake because it was a hot day um, and then went, went up to the car and went out for, a uh, ice cream so we could debrief. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was just like, this is my first experience like, like this. Right? right. And, um, so we went to a local ice cream shop and, uh, sat outside and, and one of her first questions was, uh, how long do you think that took? And I said, I, I swear to God, I was doing compressions for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so she takes my iPhone and she, she pulls up my phone history it shows the 911 call four minutes yeah it was four minutes i swore up and down it's like it took an hour for the police to show up and i was doing compressions for like 10 minutes and and it was just uh what what's the deal and no four minutes i was on the call with 911 and when when from the time that i heard the shots 1855 until the time that we were relieved it was 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. tops. Seems like an eternity though. It, yeah, it like time was super distorted. And, um, and that's, that's when, when we have that saying, you know, and, and I hear John say this on, on the, on the channel, when seconds count, you know, help is minutes away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was made more apparent there than is it, it's like, that's a great thing to say. That's, that's a, it's a fun little thought experiment, but when it manifests in reality, uh, it is, it's, <laughs> it's as real as real gets. Yeah. That's why we always stress on the badge cams. Uh, if you're a police officer, a sheriff deputy in the middle of a gunfight, uh, it's almost never worth it to get on your radio in the middle of a gunfight and say shots fired or send me help or whatever, because if that helps a block away, that gunfight is almost certainly going to be over before they get there. Yeah. So the, it applies in your case in as much as, you know, your wife did what she could. She's a, she's not just a paramedic. She's a paramedic who trains other paramedics, uh, how to be, how to be a paramedic. So if anybody could have done it, uh, you know, it was her, um, right. I, I, a couple of things I want to talk about really quick. And I know you had some points you wanted to address and I'll get to that in a second. Um, we talk a lot about, uh, rapidly and radically accepting reality when a bad thing is happening, when someone mm-hmm. is, you know, shooting like, a, you know, if a school shooter 
if you're a high school student sitting in a class and you think someone's setting off fireworks in the hallway, that's not fireworks. That's gunfire. No one sets off fireworks. And that's, I don't know if it's ever happened ever. Um, so radically and rapidly accepting reality from the time when you heard the shots and you realized those are gunshots, you said a few things like, ah, I kind of thought maybe some, I was hoping maybe somebody was, you know, in the woods, maybe doing some ill-advised target practice or whatever. Did it occur to you? I and mean, this is not a slight on you or your wife at all. Did it occur to you guys to beat feet and go back to your car and just get out of there? Did that cross your mind or no? No. Okay. No, the, the, the thing that crossed our mind was just to keep on running. Um, if, if mayhem was coming, there's nothing you're going to do about it. Right. Mayhem is coming. <laughs> Indeed. And, and, and we both take the position and I, I've, I've always taken this position even before I met her was, um, it's best to go through your life inoculated to some degree from mayhem because you're going to, you're going to devolve to your lowest level of training in an emergency and <clears throat> my goal and i and i think of this as my duty to my community my duty to my family my duty to my my country as a result to be as competent in an emergency as possible and i know most people don't think that way but that's how i think well i think this is my opinion now i'm straying into opinion but i strongly believe that certain people are just wired that way and other people aren't. And it's only a percentage of the population that thinks like you think um, that me or my son, you know, I, I have four kids. I love them all to death. Only one mm -hmm. of them is anything like me in that way. Um, and he's going into law enforcement. Uh, yeah. You know, it's one of those things where you're the person, you know, that at 16 years old has road flares and jumper cables in your trunk and an emergency blanket. You know, that's not normal. That's not most people. Um, I think the key is if you are one of those people to, follow that instinct and get training. Just being wired that way isn't enough in and of itself. It's yeah. good. I think calm, we say calm is a superpower. Um, mm -hmm. You not screeching and throwing your hands up and going, oh my God, blood. Uh, oh my God, this is dangerous is a, is a big deal too. Because a lot of people would stand way back and bust out their phone and start, you know, videotaping or whatever, or being useless. Did you, yeah. did you point at someone, this is something I teach uh, to people at the scene of anything traumatic, whether it's a car accident or a shooting or someone's having a heart attack, don't just say somebody called 911. Is that something you're familiar with? Say, like, you go, yeah. you point at someone, you know, you called 911. Mm -hmm. And um, I also like to teach if, if it's, if you are a defensive, had been a defensive encounter and God forbid had to shoot somebody, uh, make, make sure you tell them, describe me. If you're going to stick around, that is, hey, describe me, tell them I'm the good guy. Big, ruggedly handsome, bald, white guy, gray beard, <laughs> black shirt. So they know. So when the police, hopefully the dispatcher will relay that. Um, yeah, because uh, yeah, I think the important thing is um, if you're that kind of person who wants to be involved, who wants to help, who wants to, you know, be the, the voice of calm and reason and, and as the mayhem is exploding around you, uh, that's good. Get the training as well, because the training will make all the difference in the world. You will, you will uh, fall to the to lowest or the highest level of your training. That's you're not going to rise to the occasion magically. Right. Um, so let's talk about. <clears throat> I think people's perception of what it's going to look like if you witness or witness the, the immediate aftermath of uh, of a shooting, for example, in your case. Mm -hmm. It's not like the movies. It's not like TV. Um, you know, you, because mm -mm. you mentioned something about, oh, I, you know, I didn't hear any screeching tires. I didn't hear. Those are things that 
are in your brain only because you've seen them on TV or in the movies, right? There's no right. nowhere else you got that idea from. Frequently, the immediate aftermath of a very traumatic event, uh, car accident, shooting, whatever, can be really quiet, um, eerily quiet. Uh, you've been to a car accident and the person's radio is still playing. That's the only noise you hear is the is the radio going on, you know, mm. Q107 or whatever, and how off-putting. And I'm sure your wife knows that feeling. Uh, it's yeah. very odd. And so don't expect your encounter, your incident, or something that you witness or are attendant to to be anything like anything you've seen in a movie or on TV, because it probably won't be. Um, like people ask John all the time, uh, what kind of gun should I get? What caliber should I shoot? And John's like, I don't know, man. It's up to you. I'm not going to be at your gunfight, and you're not going to be at mine. So, you know, think for yourself. Know where you are. This is awesome, because I have never actually talked about this, I don't think, on the podcast. I don't know if John's covered it on, on the main channel. You know, when I went through FTO as a police officer, my FTO would, would every few blocks, where are we at? What's Cross Street? You know, he would, mm -hmm. he would quiz me. And for the first few days, I didn't know. And finally, I got tired of being hazed by my FTO and, uh, and you know, made you do push-ups on the side of the road in full uniform. So I started paying attention. Uh, you know, at least know what road you're on. Maybe what road and what hundred block. Um, but in, mm -hmm. in a park, it, it's a unique setting. So you said there was yeah. an east and west entrance and you weren't sure which one you were at? I mean, do you know that now? If you went back? I know that now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm much more familiar with the park now, and and I've, and I've thought about this situation because it's it's ostensibly a big circle. So like, if you're in a big circle, well, which way? Like the only really the only way to know which way you're going is by north, south, east, and west, mm -hmm. or by or by a major landmark or some such. Because it it kind of depends. Like, did you go counterclockwise or did you go clockwise? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, and um. Uh, so now I know what entrance we were near and I know which one's the East entrance. I know which one's the West entrance, that sort of thing. Yeah. But it's just, and I, and I've been working on that, um, outside of, of this incident now, as I'm going around, just trying to, um, orient myself, like, like which way is North right now, you know, as I'm just walking down the street and my wife's pretty good at knowing that mm -hmm. for, for the most part. Well, she has she, to be. Yeah, because she has to be. So it's sort of like she has a, uh, she has an an internal compass. It just sort of knows. And um, I'm I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. It also depends where you live. If you live somewhere, if it's noon, and you live in uh, southern South Dakota, and there's not even a hill, everything mm -hmm. looks the same in every direction, and the the sun is in the middle of the sky, it can be hard unless you have local knowledge, as my friend Caleb likes to call it. You know, if you, the local knowledge is stuff like, I know a shortcut or I know uh, a separate, mm -hmm. different road. Um, Google Maps is saying take, saying take Main Street. I know to take Third because we'll get right. there faster. Um, I went to um, an investigator school years ago in, in Georgia, southeastern Georgia at Futsi at, at Brunswick. And we're out in town following, you know, it's I joke that we're, we're playing special agent. So it's a, like a white Impala, you know, bone stock is our bad guy and five other white Impalas following him around are, the, are all the investigators. Mm -hmm. And somebody says, um, <clears throat> Williver, you have the eyes. That means I'm the one watching the car. I have to have an eye on, I can't break uh, contact with it. And the guy makes a left and I'm like, I'm, I'm looking around. I'm, am I northbound? I don't know. Am I northbound right now? Cause I wasn't familiar with the area. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not sure which way I'm going right now. I made a left from this street onto that street, but I don't know North or South, East or West. And my buddy Garth gets on the radio and he's, cause I'm from, you know, I was 
had been in California for years, and he goes, yeah, there's no mountains to look at, Williver. Like, there's no, if you're in San Diego, as long as you're not in the mountains, the mountains are east, you know, that makes life easy. Water mm. is west, mountains are east. Um, but if you, you know, if you're going to be out and about in an area and you're a self-defender, I think getting that, you know, working on that and, and knowing at least what street you're on at, at, at all times and then being able to look up and see a, a number, you know, is, is helpful. If you have a car accident or anything, um, it's nice to be able to give them an exact location. I think people think their cell phone is automatically telling 911 exactly where they are and that may or may not be true. So good, good point yeah. on that. So what do you, what do you do now when you leave the house? If you don't mind me asking, I don't want to give too much away, but mm-hmm. when you leave the house, what's your mindset and what are you bringing with you before you go out into the world? Um, well, <laughs> I, uh, I carry on body now. I, I, uh, so the, the victim was carrying off body hmm. and, um, he, didn't even get around to the bag was slung around in the front. It may have already been there because when we um, approached him, his hands were actually full. He had a, he had a beach towel in one hand and a bottle of Hennessy in the other. Okay. Um, but uh, he had a, he had a gun in his bag and like this, the incident, and I don't know how the incident took place. Right. Um, but either way he was, he, he did not even get to the zipper. Right. Right. So, um, and I've, and I've tested, uh, shooting from a bag versus shooting from the hip, um, within, uh, within the context of, uh, concealed carry courses at, uh, up at, up at the range, we do the, the competitions mm-hmm. and, and I will do things and I, I like to test myself. So I'll, I will, I will pack a small bag, like a small, um, fly fishing sling and I'll pack the whole day just in that one bag, Mm -hmm. all of my, all my ammunition, my lunch, everything. And say, okay, I'm going to work out of the bag the whole day. And just however it goes is however it goes. And, um, by God, it is slow. Yeah. When, when compared to shooting, shooting from a a true holster. So, um, I tend to wear a Filster holster. The Enigma or Um, something else? Uh, what the enigma? Yeah, the, the okay. enigma. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. got my first one, so I'll let you all know how it works out. Yeah, um, I've made a made a couple little modifications to it to make it slightly more comfortable. Um, but uh, the enigma filster holster has been really great. So I just have it under running shorts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I just I, I taught my Muay Thai class last night, and I ran to the class while carrying uh, four miles with a fifty pound. Um, uh, mystery ranch pack on wow. with the, the waist strap. So I, I ran there and it had the, had the holster on the whole time under my running shorts. For those who don't know, Filster is a friend of the channel. We're good friends with the people who, who own it and run it. Uh, and if you check out their website, I think it's just filster.com, but it's P H L S T E R. Did you check yeah. that for me? Yeah. Um, .com. And they have some fantastic holsters. The idea behind the Enigma, <coughs> excuse me, Imagine a really high quality Kydex holster and it is on its own sort of belt and there's a leg strap to keep it anchored so it doesn't flop around and you put it around your body, not, it doesn't get tucked uh, necessarily into your pants. It can be, it doesn't have to be. Um, and, and the, you know, the idea being that you can wear anything you want. You can wear running shorts, mm-hmm. um, 
swim trunks. I wouldn't recommend swimming with your gun on. Um, sweatpants, whatever. But it also works with other things. You can wear it even above the waistline if that's what works for you. But uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan so far. I haven't worked on all the kinks, but I'll probably hit you up offline for more uh, more about that. So yeah. when you leave the house uh, <clears throat> to go on a 10-minute errand, do you say to yourself now, ah, should be fine. It's a nice area. I'll just leave this stuff at home. Probably nothing will happen. Uh, most of the time, no. Okay. If I, if, yeah, most of, most of the time, no. And, and it's not because I'm, I'm being paranoid or anything like that. I'm not so, being prepared is what you're being. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're being prepared. And, and this is the thing is like trying to find, trying to strike that balance between being prepared and being in a constant state of emergency. Right, yeah. Good right? Point. And you don't want to do that. You gotta, you gotta just live your life. Right. And living your life comes with some amount of risk. And depending on where you live, there may or may not be more risk. Mm -hmm. And and knowing that and knowing where you're going and knowing the likelihood. I mean, chances are the the problem that's really going to be is medical more often than right. not, right? I like mean, like, you, like, a, like 10,000 to one, the odds, the odds of you coming across a yeah. car accident or having one versus getting yeah. into a shooting. It's it's a it's a huge number. Anyway, you, you know about right. numbers. Go ahead. Yeah, and I and and in this incident, I I wished that I had my my gun on me because of I was thinking about scene safety, but I kind of wished a, I but I I wish more that I had my medical kit on me because mm -hmm. we maybe could have gotten a chest seal over that wound faster, right? Right, and and yes, the shooter could have been nearby, and the shooter could have uh, came back to ensure that the job was done, and and, and may not want any witnesses, by the way. So and there exactly. you are, yeah. Yeah. And there I am. And I, I had my head on a swivel ready to fight or to dive on my wife. And mm -hmm. I felt unprepared without, without my gun and without my med kit in, in that situation. Yeah. Running, uh, like we talked at the conference, <clears throat> excuse me, at the, at the conference and at the NRA meeting, John taught a bunch of classes and he does a whole segment on why you should not carry without a round or a carry Israeli carry, whatever you want to call it with no round in the chamber. Mm -hmm. Um, Carrying without a round of the chamber is exactly like driving with no seatbelt, thinking you'll have time to put your seatbelt on before an impact. It's mm. it's not like that. It's exactly like that in many cases. Now, there's times, obviously, if there's a robbery going on at the front of the restaurant and you're in the back of the restaurant, you're going to be able to, you know, suddenly get your gun out and, and rack around? Probably. Will the bad guy hear it? Maybe. So that's another thing to think about. Um, bad guys know what guns sound like when they're being, when the action's being worked. But John will show you tape after tape surveillance video after surveillance video of somebody needs to be needs to shoot somebody right this second and they get the gun on either they forget there's no round mm -hmm. in the chamber and they they then present a gun that's useless because it's not loaded and get shot for their trouble or they have a problem loading it or it's now it's out of battery because you messed up the slingshot you know the slider whatever the case may be mm -hmm. but just like that having your gun on you Versus not having it on you makes all the difference in the world. Um, being able to get to it quickly. We talked about carrying off body. I was guilty of that for a long time. Now I'm trying to move away from that because I, I, I should, of all people, should know better uh, than to do that. And plus, John makes fun of me, which isn't great. Um, <laughs> so we're about out of time. I want to ask you, Joshua, mm -hmm. I know you had a lot of points you wanted to make. I want to look at your notes really quick and make sure we didn't miss anything important. And if so, what was it? Um. <sighs> I think three of my points came around to time and one of them is about the 
seconds and minutes for help to arrive. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one is about the distortion of time and noting the time. And, and then the last thing as I'm, I've been going through a bit of a um, prior to the incident, going through a bit of a uh, um, religious revelation of sorts, okay. sort of re rethinking my um, relationship with religion as a whole. Okay. And as I'm watching this uh, person take his last breath, I'm, there's a lot of things that are going through my head. And then and I'm looking at it in retrospect. It's like, Time is the one resource that we all share and we, we can spend that resource. We can waste that resource. We can have that resource taken from us, but you can't ever get it back. Mm, You can't get more time. You can, you can even invest it. And usually there's a return on an investment, but with time, there is no return on that investment. And at least not in terms of more time. Right. And, and you don't know how much of it you have. There's a, there's a little account accounting full of time. And, um, so since then, uh, it's been a month or so now, and I found myself, not that I wasn't present beforehand, but much more present when it matters, like at the dinner table with my wife. I was just going to say, you know, and I'm not, I'm not judging, young parents, for example, who are on a device from time to time. But when I see mm-hmm. like a young mom or a young dad, or even a middle-aged mom or dad, or a grandparent for that matter, at a park, the kid's playing, hey, mommy, hey, daddy, come look at me, look what I'm doing or whatever. And they can't be bothered to look mm-hmm. up from their phone. And I'm like, you're going to regret that. You're never going to mm-hmm. get this time back. So I'm, I'm glad that was a great reminder, uh, Joshua. Thank you very much. So thanks for responding to our inquiry and being willing to come on the show. Once again, what is the name of the podcast you're going to be doing soon, hopefully? Uh, Duty to Act. And yeah, we just want to want to get a couple more in the bag and then we'll launch. Have you guys worked out the distribution, all that stuff you know about all that yet? Because I can help you with that if you haven't. It's a whole, it's a pain in the butt. Yeah, I've I've got that all sorted out. Okay, um, good. We've got, uh, we've got a couple of different uh, domains. Uh, uh, one is the uh, duty, dutytack.com. Um, and then our consulting company, uh, uh, PC3, we have, we're working on a tech product uh, called Track My CE, which is a law enforcement uh, continue and, and fire and EMS uh, continuing education tracking uh, uh, tech product that we're about to launch. So if anyone wants to check that out, uh, trackmyce.io. All right. Well, best of luck on the podcast. Stay in touch. Um, I'll probably yeah. hit you up for some video editing advice in the near future because I'm just making a complete hash of it. Uh, and everyone at ASP is mad at me and I'm sad I cry myself to sleep every night Uh, Joshua Bennett thank you so much for coming on I appreciate your time I'm really glad to be here thanks alrighty gang welcome back to the Gutowski Files starring Stephen Gutowski he is the founder of TheReload.com and the host of the weekly Reload podcast sir how are you? I'm doing well and before you ask I do remember who was on our podcast this week oh very well I had a note to ask you that very question who was it? (laughs) it was Jim Garrity from National Review uh, who is another one of my favorite writers out there in the conservative space. And we talked about President Biden's brace band bust. Ooh, alliteration. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I try. Anytime I can yeah. get that alliteration in there. It's good for headlines. It's a pro tip for anyone who's wants to go into the news business and isn't, you know, anyone who's insane <laughs> to not ever make money. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an alliteration for that. Gutowski and Garrity's gun 
yeah, I don't know. Finish that one for me. I don't know. Yeah, we're gun, getting there. Yeah, I don't Gun, was, grab. That's a good start, though. Something. Anyway. Well, that implies that we're grabbing the guns. Right. right. No, we got to finish it. That's not. Okay. It was incomplete, folks. Don't, <laughs> don't listen to me. But, yeah, it was a good episode. He talked. He, he, we talked about how they, there was such a low compliance rate. So. Yeah. And the reasons why. We've discussed that in this space as well. So over mm-hmm. at thereload.com, uh, there are several articles and analysis pieces regarding um, good old Gavin Newsom, who never uh, never fails to give us content to talk about. Um, you know, I, I'm going to editorialize right off the bat here. I'm not a big fan of Gavin Newsom, believe it or not. Um, I don't know what it is about the guy. There's just something about everything that he ever says and does. Um that I think is is terrible and awful, and I can't believe he didn't get recalled. But that's me saying that, not Mr. Gutowski, who was a professional reporter and uh, tries to remain objective. Uh, so one of the ones over at the Reload I wanted to talk about was an analysis piece by our friend Stephen Gutowski. Cal- uh, California governor's gun amendment is a political stunt, and I think that says it all. But we're going to continue to talk about it because we can't just end with a headline. So talk us about to us about what he's trying to do or what he's claiming to try to do uh, out in California and what it means for the rest of the country. Yes. And I don't necessarily mean political stunt in a derogatory way, although obviously um, I'm sure that's how a lot of people will take it. But what I, what I mean is the amendment itself, which is a proposal to basically partially repeal the second amendment uh, and add in, for gun control policies, which include um, age restrictions on basically no one under 21 can buy any guns under this am- amendment proposal. Um, there'd be mandatory waiting periods, although there's not there's not a lot of detail to this, as you might imagine. It's mm. just announced. But uh, so some sort of waiting period would be involved uh, and the universal background checks. So, you know, essentially extending background checks from uh being required by licensed dealers at places like gun stores or, or gun shows to private sales between people who aren't licensed dealers. And then uh, of course the, probably the most controversial bit, which is an assault weapons ban or so-called assault weapons ban for, to try and ban things like AR 15s or AK 47s. Uh, although again, we don't have the actual detail in California, their assault weapons ban is far more strict than just AR 15s and AK 47s. Of course, and it's probably among the strictest in the country. I live there. I can um, confirm. Yes, it was terrible. So I don't know if he's planning to try and use a softer version of, of the Solvents ban or if he's going to go full bore with California's version of it, which is much stricter than even other the nine other states that have these. But the, the reason I call it a political stunt is because this proposal has no real chance of ever being ratified, mm. uh, at least not any time in the foreseeable future. Because if you do the math here, of these policies, the most popular is universal background checks. There's about 21 states that have that, according to uh, the Giffords Law Center, which tracks you know gun, gun control laws throughout the country. Um, and then the other three are in about 10 states. You know, there's only about 10 states that have an assault weapons ban or waiting periods or uh, a ban on anyone under 21 owning guns or bu- buying guns, at least not necessarily possessing them. But what you need to get in a constitutional amendment even proposed is two thirds of the states. And what you need to get it ratified um, is three fourths, which is 38 states. So you could do the math yourselves there at home, but 10 states currently have three of these proposals. 
you'd need to convince another 28 states to get on board for this to become an actual constitutional amendment that's ratified. So that's just not going to happen anytime soon. I mean, uh, there's just no practical way this is going to become law, at least not for a very long time. It would take a lot of people changing their minds throughout the entire country for this to be the case. Yeah, I would say a cultural Um, sea change would be necessary for this to happen. Yeah. And so what this, that's not, honestly, to me, that's not a super interesting part of this whole conversation, right? The details of the actual amendment or trying to seriously consider whether it has a chance because it just doesn't. Right. Uh, What's more interesting about it uh, is the political implications of the timing and scope of this announcement from Newsom. Right. So he's a Democrat governor in California, which usually means that when you're governor of a state, most of your days are spent dealing with the politics in your state or thing, issues in your state and, and stuff like that. California is a very big state, so he has a pretty big platform generally. But uh, for the most part, he stays within the borders. He has been fighting a lot with you know, DeSantis in Florida and Abbott in Texas. I was just going to say, uh, yeah, which in, is, seems silly. If, if I was a California resident, I'd be like, can you just pay attention to what's going on here, please? Yeah, and he's been, so he's been doing a lot of sort of media fighting with them, which already is sort of raising his profile a little bit nationally. And then this is a national campaign, right? It's a constitutional amendment campaign. So it's going to be an excuse for him uh, to go around the country to campaign for this constitutional amendment. So he's out there doing a nationally focused thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you notice what time of year it is or what's coming up in about a year and a half. What's going to happen um, in a year and a half, Stephen? I have no yeah, clue. There's a presidential election. Oh, right? We're in the primary season for the presidential election, which is, uh, you know, if you're the governor of California, the largest state in the country, uh, it might be something you have ambitions for. Mm. And uh, of course, the thing is, there's already a Democrat in the White House, President Joe Biden, right? And he is running for re-election. So you might not as a potential contender for a future presidential nomination from the democratic party want to jump in against the current incumbent, uh, unless something really, unless his campaign goes really haywire. Uh, um, and so he, instead of announcing that you're running in a, the primary against the president of your, from your own party, you might, set up a national campaign for a constitutional amendment to go around and run a kind of shadow campaign just in case, you know, Biden's numbers get low enough or something happens. Tell me you're running uh, for president without telling me you're running for president. Potentially. It's kind of like a backup campaign for presidents. How Interesting I because least. he, uh, former, uh, our vice president used to be the attorney general of California. They're pretty tight. I mm-hmm. think is that, am I not, am I wrong? Yeah, Her, but I mean, sure. But I think, uh, Perhaps he sees an opening there if, if Joe Biden is not around for whatever reason when, you know, it becomes time to decide who's going to be the Democratic nominee. I mean, look, when a president runs for re-election, they almost never face real opposition. And Biden has – there's a couple of candidates who are – RFK Jr.? You know, are, yeah, RFK Jr. and uh, Marion Williamson, they're kind of fringe candidates. They don't have any real – support within the democratic party. In fact, I mean, RFK is kind of running as almost a independent uh, main appeal is as like a, a, with, um, online Republicans, uh, frankly, (laughs) but, um, those are kind of the people who are more drawn to him than 
Democrats, uh, similar to um, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, who now is basically a conservative commentator. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, like, so the point is, he hasn't fa- Biden hasn't faced any real competition yet, and he's unlikely to un- unless his numbers really nosedive to the point where he is just not going to be competitive and maybe he bows out or Democrats kind of get to the point where they're like, Oh, we need a real alternative to him. And that that's now Gavin Newsom has set himself up in a pretty savvy way in this regard, because he's not necessarily running against Biden, right? He's just doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. And if it just so happens that, you know, the call for someone out for an alternative to Biden gets loud enough. He, he's kind of there with the national campaign already kind of set up to go if he needs to. And if it doesn't work out that way, if Biden's numbers come back up or, or they don't get bad enough to where the party needs to replace him, you know, he's, he's got a little bit of a more national ID for 2028. So bringing it back to, to our subject matter, which is self-defense and and firearms, uh, just so people don't forget, that's what we're talking about. Um, What, is there is there um is there a Nat's whisker of difference between Biden and, and Newsom as a potential candidate as far as the Second Amendment goes? I feel like they're both maybe Newsom might be more extreme or what would you say about that? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, too. If you're looking at it from the Democratic side of things, uh, one of the reasons you might pick guns as your sort of shadow campaign is that Biden is pretty vulnerable there from the left. Mm. I know for people who are conservative or pro-gun uh, that probably sounds weird, right? Because right. uh, he has terrible approval ratings from the right on the issue or from more, pro, more pro-gun people generally very disapproving of the way that Biden has handled Indeed. guns because he's he's in favor of all kinds of new bans and restrictions and he's doing you know all the stuff we've talked about before through executive orders, the pistol brace ban and the ghost gun ban, all this stuff. But from the Democratic side, uh, if you look at his approval rating, on gun policy, it's very bad. It's um, <clears throat> it's very bad overall. He's only at like 30% in the last two polls, I think CNN and the AP. Uh, it, that's about 10 points lower than his overall approval rating, which of course is not great either. <laughs> but, uh, and then if you look deeper than that at how Democrats view him on gun policy, he's right about 50-50, which is really bad for an, for an incumbent president and people in his own party saying we don't like what you're doing on guns. And a lot of that is likely because, I mean, it's probably a matter of poor expectation setting because Joe Biden kept saying he's going to beat the NRA, he's going to institute an assault weapons ban. This is his, his campaign promise. He said he you know, did it before, he's going to do it again. And then he never had the actual votes to do something like that. And he still doesn't. And he still talks about it that way. And so there's a lot of expectation, I think, from Democrats who want to see these sorts of new gun restrictions in place uh, when they aren't delivered and you have a, a, a problem with the murder rate spiking over the last couple of years that Biden's been in office and mass shootings being a continuing problem that's right. at uh, record levels this year as well, regardless of what count you look at. I know we've talked a lot about the differences in the counts before, but they're all at record levels right now. And so I think Democrats look at that and they think, you're supposed you told us you were going to fix this by passing these gun bans and you haven't passed them and it hasn't been fixed. So Newsom kind of slotting into the left of Biden 
I guess. I mean, policy-wise, they're probably pretty similar, but Biden's never proposed amending the Constitution to right. <laughs> to repeal part of the Second Amendment. So that's a slot that Newsom is in now. And plus, I mean, you think Joe Biden could potentially be endorsed by Benelli? Um, let's see, the Remington 870. What else? Some of the <laughs> year I'm going with this. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Newsom's never told people to go outside the, and shoot their double-barreled shotguns in the sky two, if someone tries to break in. Two blasts outside the house. Uh, uh, that's a, if you haven't seen that video, especially the songified version of it, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, right. Go go to YouTube or whatever you look for videos and look up Joe Biden um, shotgun, and then put song in there. It'll be even better. Yeah. What what is by the way? What is the ASP analysis of? Uh, the president's advice there oh sure. it's spot on yeah absolutely yeah, yeah if That's you hear a noise outside your house just walk outside <laughs> just shoot just start shooting just start, start shooting like into the air at nothing summer. in the dark yeah that's that's for sure john korea said that's that's his advice and make sure you use up all of your ammunition too for those warning shots yeah that way if somebody isn't scared off by it you have to reload your double wheel shotgun before they get to you. I feel like I feel like I have to say our audience is pretty smart. I feel like I have to say we're kidding before we finish up here, just to be on the safe side. Stephen, as always, a pleasure, sir. And as always, you have the last word. Absolutely. <laughs>